to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends, as we still living into this Corona mania where uh, we are not gathering in person. We're gathering over uh, Zoom. And so, uh, again, please forgive the audio quality. I especially noticed that mine was god-awful the last episode. And uh, we're just doing the best we can to bring you some content and to hang out with one another and uh, have some drinks over the magic internet (laughs) and try and uh, keep things going the best we can, keep you entertained. And so uh, you're in for a treat tonight, or maybe a nightmare, who knows? Uh, We're going to talk apocalyptic movies, and, you know, from a horror perspective, there are horror apocalyptic movies, but also they, they kind of cross genre in that they are drama, they are action. And so we're just going to talk some apocalyptic movies in general, just to uh, line up with the current apocalypse that we're living through. And uh, this seemed like a better idea a few weeks ago, but now it seems like it could be a bad idea and triggering. So if you don't think this is for you... <laughs> Just turn it off tonight, right? If, you, if you've had too many arguments with your friends and family today, just maybe give this one a shot tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the apocalyptic genre, just in general. Um, I'm kind of a mark for apocalyptic stuff. I am not a doomsday prepper. I see all of you looking at me like you don't believe that. But... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you are you are in an underground bunker, right? <laughs> yes, I am. That's that's probably why my audio is so bad. Uh, but he's just inspecting it, though. <laughs> but I uh, I am a, a preparedness kind of guy, and uh, so the apocalyptic genre hits for me. Um, where what is you guys' relationship with the uh, the apocalyptic or end of the world type movies? I think. Um... I think especially film fans, but more on a, a wide scale, I think people enjoy these films just because they leave the door open for such fun storytelling, and you can really go in any direction you want with it. And I think it translates to film so well because you can go as grand as you want with a huge budget, but you can make a very small, low-budget, independent film interesting in these settings without a big cast, without a bunch of dialogue, any of that stuff, I think, and as we talk about this through the episode, it just, it, you can go in any direction you want with it. I think I agree with, with all those sentiments there, as I think it leaves it very open to what you can do, especially because you don't, nobody has a frame of reference to some uh, actual happening, so it, it doesn't go, it's not out of the realm of possibility because nobody has anything to really compare it to. Yeah. Uh, I would back that up. I would say, uh, I mean, the, the common theme is just that they play on people's fears. Uh, but uh, 
each apocalyptic movies. Uh, I mean, there's like the 2012 and whatever every year that they did the disaster movies and the day after tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, so like climate, and, uh, vampires and aliens, and uh, the the common core is just the end, isolation and end of the world. And, uh, oddly for me, when uh when you guys first mentioned this, I think I think I think when I was a kid of um, for me the apocalypse movies was like the day after. Like I was terrified that either a Russia was coming, which it still could, um, or uh, that we were just going to get nuked. So like the day after, like even Red Dawn, those movies kind of scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, they, they uh, hit a little close to reality. Yeah, yeah, and that was a it was a good start to a list, Todd. So like when we think about apocalyptic movies, like we have to think about the reasons behind them, right? So it's like invasion into your country nuclear warfare uh pandemic um zombies vampires aliens i mean that's realistic for a genre <laughs> i love that you haven't mentioned religion <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well <laughs> <You're fired. laughs> so uh you know with me being lutheran we're not really rapture people but yes rapture is a huge thing for for some christians um, left behind boy yeah that's right right it's one of my favorite whether blondie Kurt, songs. Whether it's with Kirk Cameron or Nick Cage. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Religious, you know, kind of end-of-the-world type stuff. Um, any other any other causes for the ends that we see in these movies? Did we mention kind of... president? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, warfare. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, I think that, that pretty much covers at least the big ones. And I think if there's other stuff that doesn't fit into those, it's much more niche and isolated. Right, right. So, um, and natural, oh, we, for, you mentioned uh, climate change with the... Uh, I was going to say, I was just thinking climate change or nature, such yeah. as the bees. Right. Yeah, because uh, even though I'm not a doomsday prepper, I've seen all the episodes of doomsday preppers, and their reasons... Yeah. We're uh, we're doing the math here. <laughs> there are reasons why. Like there are people who are like prepping right now because they are just convinced that in their lifetime the Yellowstone super volcano is going to go off, which is funny because there's been some seismic activity going on right now uh, with that. Um, and then you know just fault lines. I mean, there's that that giant fault line that lies through the Midwest that hasn't done anything for thousands of years, but people are like, that's going to be it. It's going to split the country in half, but. I digress. So, yeah, natural disaster stuff. Joe, Joe remember in the, the early 90s when uh, they were saying it was going to hit Indiana? And, uh, oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody rushed out to get earthquake insurance. <laughs> I remember well, my baby. To, go ahead. All you need to do is make sure you can wipe your ass. Go out and buy <laughs> all of the toilet paper you can. Every apocalyptic film has taught us we need toilet paper. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, Todd, I remember that in the early 90s. My babysitter had uh, three gallons of water, like, for backup. <laughs> and so we were going to get through this with three gallons of water. Was that, was that water, or was she bringing over Jesus juice? <laughs> no, she, she definitely, uh, my babysitter was a lesbian and, and not a churchgoer. So so we don't have to get out the doll and have you show us where she touched you. <laughs> nope. I was going to say, five minutes later, we're all weeping. <laughs> She's a good lady. Hell of a lady. I still see her. What's your your safe word, though? (laughs) Vinny, what's uh, your stranger danger word? Hunky wonky wee. Listen, (laughs) (laughs) 
Listen, I want to walk back a little bit and just say for the record that uh, <laughs> I did not mean that she couldn't be Christian just because she's lesbian. <laughs> I, I have painted myself into a corner here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough times to talk. Well, happy, <laughs> it is. I gotta, happy Pride. Happy Pride. Yes. 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 Happy Pride. Um, all right. So someone kick us off. Get us started. Uh, I think an easy one is zombies. Yeah. So uh, there was a guy. Help me out. George Romeo. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Lil, Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo. That's right. That's right. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, Night of the Living Dead. Right. I mean, we kick off right there. Uh, so we start looking at that particular genre and night, dawn, day. Um, We've talked about these movies hundreds of times, but just especially, I think an important theme, and this is something we didn't lay out, an important theme that all these movies show is just the breakdown of humanity, right? And so I think the real horror of apocalyptic films is not the problem. It's the breakdown of humanity and society. Yes. So, yes. Um, every, it's like, it's almost like every apocalyptic film gets real gang driven, right? Like people split yes. off into factions. Uh, a lot of them get rapey, right? Where they, they uh, are not very kind to the women. Um, and so it becomes this idea of people trying to exist in scarcity rather than to pull together. Yeah. And it really, it really goes to the extremes of, of kind of the different ends of the spectrum with, with human behavior, because you have people who are insanely disciplined, inherently good, they, they still, even though the world is crumbled around them, maintain a schedule and order within their life and, and who that they're choosing to run with. And then you always have, you know, the just disgusting out of control factions that, that always want to wage war against them. And I think that it's always an interesting exploration of that. And it, and it really gets into being able to go into basic uh and familiar territory that you get in films like westerns um where the idea of basic lawfulness comes into play and very basic stripped down storytelling yeah well and i think i obviously there are there are tons of zombie movies in the romero vein that support that but then i think you also get into things like 28 days later which deals with the infection disease side of things which is all too familiar right now <laughs> yeah and and it and again like you say it's the and it really is the same thing it highlights the fears that i think i know i felt it at the beginning of this whole covid-19 thing when i went to the store and the toilet paper was gone all the meat like just i saw how quickly society could fall apart yeah yeah and i think that's that and that's the real terror and along uh, with anything in these genres and 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 science fiction horror you can tweak it and present it in a way that is more comfortable because it is fantasy so it's not as stark it's not as real in your face and you can remove yourself from reality a little bit with it with those elements but any good horror, any good sci-fi is going to tackle real life, real world issues 
but disguise it in a way that you can remove yourself and it doesn't feel like you're scared shitless watching the news. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, other than uh, Officer Ramiro, is there some favorites that come to mind for zombies? Um, uh, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up The Walking Dead. You know, yeah, I mean, you have walking, to. Yeah, The Walking Dead is a great example because when, uh, you know, um, Robert Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, Tony Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, when Robert Kirkman, yeah, Robert Kirkman started writing it, he said, you know, you, you always get in the films um, that was end, right? And so his goal when he started writing the comic book was that he was going to take a concept that we're familiar with. So he borrows from the Romero model, but he wants to see what it looks like playing out long game, like long, long game. Like we get that in the Romero trilogy, not counting the last three films. Cause we don't talk about those, but the, yeah. uh, but you know, we get the difference between night versus day. And so his goal with writing the walking dead as a comic book was to show like, what does it look like to play this out in the long run? And you know, it, it was great. And it was a good, it, it's been a good run, but uh, much like The Simpsons, why don't we think about wrapping it up at this point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I really appreciate that about it because he, he was able to examine, and the show has done it moderately okay compared to the comic, but, you know, to examine what does it look like as we try to rebuild society and we encounter people, we encounter entire villages, not just gangs, right? So we have taken... We've gone from gang warfare, like in Dawn of the Dead, with the motorcycle gang coming in to disrupt the, the group of four that lives there, to now we're looking at whole villages and tribes who are conflicting during these apocalyptic times. And I really appreciate that about The Walking Dead um, for as long as I could hold out watching the show before I finally yeah. get up on it. I also think that what, it doesn't, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all heavy storytelling because we do have things like Zombieland. Yeah. Which takes it on the other side of things and Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. And I and I like that I like I like that that's available as well. And I like that take even where you can even take something as bleak as the apocalypse and the decline of human civilization and play with it and still laugh at it. One that I, one of um I guess I'm trying to think of the time period it came out, but maybe last five, ten years was Warm Bodies. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a different take on the zombie, but um, I'll say one that uh, I thought was just going to completely suck that I actually enjoyed was World War Z. Hmm. Yeah, that was entertaining. I I never saw the whole movie. I, I started watching it, I think, on a plane, and then I landed. Um, but I've read Did the you book. That on a plane. <laughs> was uh, was it alive? The survival movie not available. <laughs> but uh yeah i read the book world war z and i've got the zombie survival guide both written by max brooks which is mel brooks's son and um what i appreciate about that was that it tried to take a very like serious calculated look at what this could look like from an organizational perspective right so like brad pitt is working for like these governments and trying to get a response and try to, to make sure his family is safe. And so say, yeah, say more about that movie. Cause I only got to see half of it. I mean, that, that was the movie. All right. Thanks <laughs> for coming out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, one I, I would definitely want to mention that I think is overlooked in a lot of ways just because of how uh, it was sold and the cast that was in it, but that I think is just utterly hilarious is uh, This is the End. Oh, um, yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic movie. Yeah, It's one that I watched it when it came out and thought it was funny, but I appreciate it so much more now as I've revisited it a couple times where I think, like, this isn't just like a lazy movie where the cast is having fun with each other. It's actually hilarious. And they really, they go deep in terms of the insanity with uh, what's happening on earth with the aliens beaming down and it just incinerating LA and all kinds of places. And just the absolute turmoil that goes between all of these familiar faces that we know playing themselves. It is just a good time. I think you mean the people beaming up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> taking them up. I've heard. But yeah, they're they're beaming them down into the stores and taking them and stuff. Yeah. That's and that's funny because it's it's a rapture theme. Like it's yeah. uh, and you wouldn't think that that comedy troupe would would take that approach to it. But uh <laughs> that's they, you know, that's how they're trying to like uh, out ethic each other at the end and out moral each other so that they can get taken. Yeah. Out. <laughs> Yeah, that one's pretty. That one, I, I, I still laugh at. That. I, I probably watch that every year and get a great laugh out of it. Yeah, great, uh, great performance from Channing Tatum. <laughs> but cool I story, think that's bro. An example of how you can blend genres because you've got uh, absolutely insane comedy, big budget sci-fi action sequences going through it. You can do anything yeah. you want in that. And you can have Danny McBride threatening uh, to masturbate on more of their magazines because that's what <laughs> happens when you lock them all in the house together. You go real, and there's real terror with the demon with the giant wiener going after Jenny yeah. Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, I'm betting you haven't seen that one. Uh, not all the way through. I was, I think I may have been at your house one night when you were watching it, and I left before it was over. Sad. Sad. Come, come at me, bro. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's talk about a little bit <clears throat> um, some of the pandemic theme stuff and <clears throat> we got to talk about the stand Stephen King right um, uh, it's a film I really like or not film it's a miniseries that I really like it's uh, I watched it in my youth and enjoyed it because it was at like the peak of Ebola virus, which was fascinating to me. And then I revisited it and didn't like it. Then watched it again and <laughs> loved it. <laughs> and so it's like, it's had these weird revisits, but uh, yeah, I like the stand. What do you guys got to say about that one? It sounds like you've had quite the roller coaster with it. I have. Um, I, I, I think it's really good. I think that even though uh, some of the elements in the miniseries uh, aren't aging the best. It doesn't matter just because I think Mick Garris made, uh, he tried to make the best thing he could with such a massive piece of work that Stephen King wrote. I mean, that book is gigantic. And, uh, I, I think that he put it down into, um, a pretty good miniseries. It's, it's not my favorite Stephen King adaptation by any means, but, um, 
I think it's it's kind of overlooked in a lot of ways com- compared to some of the other celebrated TV adaptations. And uh, the biggest surprise with it is the Blu-ray looks phenomenal, um, which even Mick Garris didn't think could ever happen just because yeah. stuff shot back then and put on TV, they weren't preserving that. Most of the time it wasn't shot on film, but here we are, and there's a beautifully restored Blu-ray of it now. Yeah, it was that weird 90s period where we, we've got a lot of those films where it was like that weird in-between between film and digital. And mm-hmm. um, even when they – some of those movies, even when they do get put on Blu-ray, don't look any better than the DVD. So I'm glad that this yeah. one does have a nice release. Yeah, definitely. I think of uh, The Stand because uh, it kind of came out at, toward the end of the period where um, it was like a huge deal that like a Stephen King like four-night event or like the kind of like the Michael Jackson premiere <clears throat> videos – um, I just remember everybody from school like like going home and like the next day they talk about seeing it and you couldn't miss the any of the nights because other than VCR you um, I don't think they really replayed stuff like that back then either so yeah. you either had to wait yeah. quite a long time for these to come on to to tape or um, record them yourself or watch them live. Is that when you get those double VHS packs or the movies oh, man, the, two the VHS as long? The stand was mass. I think it was like a four four tape set i'll bet it had to be yeah because each episode each run oh wow yeah i've got the dvd I take over four of my mom's soap right. operas to, to get it onto one tape <laughs> <laughs> i had to cover up three birthday parties to get it on <laughs> had to go with the ep extended play uh, i think that <laughs> that's the only way they, things got recorded in my house yeah no that fancy sp shit no you had, uh, to, you had to maximize how many movies you could illegally dub onto one tape yep <laughs> Well, I think uh, most most tapes are ran six hours. So for the stand, you got to find the 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 eight hour ones. That's true. Had to go out and get the extra special. Um, I think the stand too is a pretty example of what I was talking about earlier with good and bad. I mean, that is the main point of the stand. Um, and Stephen King, and the way he writes in it from a humanistic kind of standpoint, where you're so invested in characters, I think that's why his. Uh, things that he's done in these settings always work so well. Uh, we've covered the mist on this show before where we really tap into human behavior and being trapped with the uncertainty. Um, even something like storm of the century, which I think was a straight screenplay he wrote. I don't think that was ever put into book form. Um, also does the same thing. I think that Although it's not something that he's went back to a ton, I think when he does, it's always been really effective for that. the reasons we talk about why this stuff's good. It was an interesting blend for the stand, and I, I know we don't want to beat that drum for too much longer, but it's interesting because it's kind of a two-part story. It's, it's a pandemic story, but also a religious story. Um, and even Mick Garris, I heard a great interview with him where someone was talking to him about it, and he said it was really a joy to work on because he described Stephen King not as a person of faith, but as a person of belief. And McGarris is not a person of belief. And so it's like from a theistic and atheistic point of view that they were able to come together and, and make such magic uh, based on what they both brought to the film. Yeah, that's in film miniseries. Well, and I think that's why they've always worked well together because uh, some, you know, King learned his lesson with Kubert not to, to get into situations with people that didn't want to get into the kind of a happy medium territory. And whenever Kings had a good relationship with people, I think it's always resulted in better work. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think uh, I, I I bought the Blu-ray and I've, I've been kind of itching to watch it. And if I'm being honest, besides not having time, I don't know if I can watch it right now. Um, and I know that the I've, I've seen that they have some stuff for the remake. Um, I don't know if things don't get much better if I can sit down and watch the remake. And I I just seen the trailer as well for the sequel to um, Train to Busan. I'm like man, what of a weird time to come out but at the same time they're supposed to play on uh again people's fears so maybe they uh maybe this might be perfect times <clears throat> to watch them you know i'm glad you mentioned that because i i was kind of curious to see what all three of you had been doing kind of in the wake of all this because everybody's different um and i think that you kind of break down into two two categories where you're either run at the subject with what you're watching or you try and go completely other in the other direction. And I'm just curious with all you guys, if, if you've been the running towards it or away, away, uh, the only horror that I have been watching really is for preparation for the show. I gotcha. have taken quite a break. As a matter of fact, today I was watching the Muppet show. <laughs> That's that, that I am going extremely light on the other end of things. I'm watching a lot of comedies I'm I'm watching things that very much are escape right now. Yeah, I I am current on the Mass Singer. Uh, <laughs> and I, I started very watching. Uh, I started watching uh, Shit's Creek. So um, again, I haven't had a lot of time to watch stuff, but the idea of sitting down and watching like The Stand right now, I I, I agree with Vinny. I kind of normally I'm not like this. Normally I'm like, ooh, a marathon. Uh, I'm kind of the other way right now. I need I need light and uh, and fluffy. Yep, yep. As time goes, um, as time goes on, so like I was an early adopter of, of going with the the apocalyptic stuff. I, I revisited the stand um, until Carrie just tapped out because she couldn't handle the '90s cheesiness of the made for TV stuff, which <laughs> I totally get. I totally get. Um, but yeah, as time has gone on and more shit just keeps getting put on our plate. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's a Muppet Babies kind of night. <laughs> yeah, for real. But but for real, though, um, I, we have stayed in horror a little bit in that we're revisiting just some of the, the goofy stuff. Like, we did a, a dislike sequel double feature the other night in which we watched Halloween Resurrection and, and Freddy Yeah. Freddy. Was the yeah, like, worried about you. I don't. You I don't know that. why y'all did that to yourself. I figured it was ritualistic suicide or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It was a lot of fun. It's like it's like you know what? In light of current events, maybe these movies aren't that bad. <laughs> no, they are. They are. They are the we're, anthrax of movies. We were they actually are the Ebola of movies. It, time ran on. We were going to do a triple feature and throw in uh, Jason Goes to Hell, but. Uh, we just didn't have time. Maybe tonight. I get off here. Jason goes to hell. Jason X. Whatever you do, don't watch anything new and good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I uh, I really when when things got crazy to start, I I did not watch much horror. I just you know I I don't like things to be married to weird moments, and so I I just too wasn't close to home. Yeah, I just, I just wasn't in the mood, and so as I, I as I've given myself a little bit of time uh, to see all of us adapt and and be able to ease back into making decisions and and 
you know, knowing that the majority of people are staying safe and okay, it's been a little bit easier to, to jump back into that kind of entertainment. But the funny irony of it is, is that more shitty things keep happening. And it's so overwhelming that to the point where I barely have the attention span to sit down and watch anything, even comedy. It's just like, it's just screwing with me because there's so much going on uh, that, that keeps taking my attention that it's, it's a little difficult for me to sit down for an hour and a half or two hours to watch anything. But I typically tend to run right at material. This has just been a, a unique experience. But I was just curious uh, in these moments if, if there's things where you want to go put on something like what's going on or run away from it. Anywho. Yeah, thanks for bringing the party down. <laughs> Whatever. I, I can't even handle watching Home Alone right now. Uh, Listen, I, 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 <laughs> if you point. don't, if, if you don't mind, I'll throw out a different movie for like outside of. Let me make one last joke. At this Go point, I'm just, I'm just watching all, I'm just watching all the Mad Max movies getting ready. <laughs> and that is on my list as well, because I think, as a kid of the '80s, the Mad Max movies were the movies for post-apocalyptic. Well, cause you had, Mel, you had Mel Gibson and Jason Voorhees. <laughs> but it was like those movies. I remember Thunderdome and the road warrior more than Mad Max, but I've gone back and I've watched those movies countless times. I love Fury road. I love all of those movies. I, th- I think Fury Road is one of the best action movies of the last decade. And when I was a yeah. kid, I think that when I thought of the apocalypse, post-apocalyptic world, Mad Max is the world that I pictured because that was what was the presentation I was the most familiar with. So you've seen Mad Max quite a bit? <clears throat> I've seen all of them. But never times. Lethal Weapon? <laughs> I've seen Lethal Weapon now. Just the uh, first one? We were hanging out with... We were hanging out with friends the other night, and they have uh, they've got their Amazon bullshit all over the house where they can talk to Alexa. And uh, I say, bullshit, oh, you mean the government? <laughs> <laughs> I say bullshit, but it's really cool. Uh, I was just talking about it as apparatus, and uh, I said, Alexa, who run Barter Town? <laughs> and and she told me. She said, Murdertown is a post-apocalyptic place. and uh, That is hilarious. The entity known as Master and Blaster. And I was like, that is hilarious. I was looking back to see if she picked up your voice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Mad Max. Did you have one you wanted to throw out, Vinny, before I jammed you up with Mad Max? <laughs> well, I was, gonna, I was headed to Mad Max eventually anyway, but one that I like, a more recent movie, is Pacific Rim. Hmm. I don't care for the sequel, but I, I really the, like I the love first the porn one version. Really hit, really hit for me. It's not. Have as you good guys as not Pacific, seen it? No, it's not. As, it's good, but it's not as good as Pacific Rim Job. I guess. I guess. I guess if I'm going to slow pitch them, the Todd's just going to keep knocking them out of the park. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't watched uh, the sequel, but I did really like the first one. Sequels do do. Uh, speaking of that. A movie I love, Independence Day. I've yet to bring myself to watch the sequel. May I? May I please uh, speak on Pac Rim before we move along? Yes. No, because I saw the look on your face. 
<laughs> it never hit for me. I, I don't know why. Like, I really wanted to like it. I like all the people who are in it. I like the concept. Um, I don't know. I just, it just, it didn't hit for me. What about you, Professor? Uh, just kind of indifferent. I remember enjoying it okay, but I can't tell you much about it now since I've yeah. seen it. Man, like, I, I saw dislike that. it. I yeah. saw that in the theater. So you've got theater sound system, the big screen. It hit all that kaiju shit for me, the Godzilla, uh, but done without dudes in rubber suits, like done with real effects. Yeah. And so I really dug it. I, Robert's looking at a ceiling right now. <laughs> About to sprain his neck, rolling his eyes. Yeah, I'm not hey. rolling my eyes. <laughs> when, I was just uh, looking for my kaiju. I've got my King Kong up there and my Godzilla's in the but like, So I love those giant monster movies. Like, I even watched Rampage with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and that is total turn your fucking brain off. I like the video giant game. monsters fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that's fun. Pacific Rim hit for me on that. Now, my brother will say things when I talk about those movies. go, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not from Japan. As, as why he doesn't like it. But I thought Pacific Rim was a cool take on, you know, again, it's like an invasion thing where these interdimensional or whatever creatures come up. So, yeah, I like Pacific Rim a lot. So can we make sure we get guys. video footage when Vinny starts destroying his room here because he's angry? Can we make sure he stays on camera? <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, did you, watch, did you ever watch uh, Monsters from a few years ago? I don't believe so. I think the director went on to do uh, one of the Godzillas, the newer <laughs> ones. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not overly crazy about the new ones. I'm so, real, uh, so, I'm real excited for the King Kong Godzilla. But that's Monsters, awesome. Monsters was pretty, uh, pretty awesome because it's the uh, the giant, uh, you know, basically Godzilla King Kong. But it's done. Uh, it's an indie movie and done with no budget. I've seen the cover art for it on some of the streaming networks, and I, I wanted to watch it, but I just haven't. Yeah, I think but, uh, I, my cousin that Brandon might be a good about it and liked it. We mentioned a, a few of them to roll into Aliens for, uh, for a little theme. Well, I can't. I was getting ready to go uh, grab some ice, but I can't. Uh, my <laughs> son and I just watched Aliens last night. Wow. Uh, he's 12, and he's starting to get into this horror. Alien watched. Aliens? We watched Alien the night before, and then we watched Aliens. What, how did, uh, what do you think? He's 12, and I could tell that Alien was a little long in the tooth for him, like at, at certain parts, but he did like it. Uh, when we got done, he said, I liked it, but I think I liked Predator better. <laughs> and I said, you're going to love Aliens. <laughs> so we watched Aliens, and about... A bit of the way into it, I said, what do you think? Do you like this better? And he goes, I don't know. I think I like the original better because they were isolated and they felt, and these guys feel too prepared for it. But then when shit popped off in <laughs> Aliens, totally changed his mind. And Game he over. really, really dug Aliens. That's my really boy. Really dug it. As, <laughs> as, soon, as soon as he saw how many of the Aliens there were, and that scene where Hicks pokes his head up <laughs> into the tiles and they're all coming at him, that was when he was totally in. He was totally in at that point. I think game I, over, man. Game over. Game over. <laughs> I think I'm, I was probably maybe 12 the first time I watched Alien and Aliens. So uh, I worked at the video store and the owner's wife uh, 
wouldn't even speak to me until I watched him after she found out I hadn't seen either movie. <laughs> You were twelve when you worked at the video store. That's what I'm going to do. To that's what I'm going to do to Grizz over uh, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yeah, I'm just not going to talk to him anymore until he. Well, watches considering it. he just watched Twister last night, which by the way, <laughs> I don't. I, if I would have had a drink in my hand and drink every time I heard "Game Over," <laughs> <laughs> who doggies? Uh, speaking of aliens, uh, let me throw out a couple here. Attack the Block. Yeah, that's kind of a fun one. That's an invasion uh, style movie, yeah. Yep, that's one. And then, um, uh, speaking of comedies, this is the end from the same troupe that brought us Shaun of the Dead. So that's a that's an alien one. Definitely. I think. I was like, yeah, I was like, have you guys not seen this is the end? I thought it was that one. I was disappointed in. I was just worried that you were going to start talking about it like we hadn't just talked about it fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. No, my bad. No, no, no. I meant, I meant World's End. World's End. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, my bad. I, I was kind of confused. I'll be honest like with I, you. I didn't want to bust your balls till you started teasing us. And then I was do like, you, well, I got to hey, stand up for myself now. Do you smell burning toast? Sing the, sing the birthday song. <laughs> I'm stroking out. No, we do introductions. So, and that's what's funny. I think I think we got some of our wires crossed, Wilson, uh, because you were talking about this is the end with aliens. Yeah. And then I'm talking, trying to talk about aliens with World's End. <laughs> so, yes, World's End, not This is the End. So, um, World's End from the same troupe that brought us Shaun of the Dead. And, uh, <laughs> yes, so it's a, it's kind of apocalyptic in their, in the town that they're in, trying to complete their challenge. And the town's been kind of taken over by aliens. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting blend of invasion of the body snatchers, pod people kind of thing going on, but set against the backdrop of growing up and how it's it's different for each person, and, and that can be sometimes messy and not the easiest to have, uh, you know, certain friends that don't want to grow up while others rush into growing up or in a, and are unhappy, and so you kind of have them with a certainly a comedic tone to it, uh, kind of all interacting with that and going back to their old stomping ground for the challenge. So it's, it's got a lot of good buddy and nostalgia vibes to it. In addition to, you know, the alien and alien stuff and into the world shit. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't love it the first time, but the second time around, I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I like so, that one too. I'm definitely not a huge fan. Uh, not, I don't have the boner Abner has for found footage, but um, <laughs> Cloverfield was something was that actually attacked. Really yeah, I like Cloverfield a lot. And I, I had watched the first one in years. The the sequel with John Goodman I liked even better. Yeah, wow. which certainly fits well into this. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I put off watching Cloverfield forever because. I don't know why you think I'm such a mark for found footage movies. It's but. all you pick. <laughs> found, found footage and hillbillies. So if it's a combo, it's definitely on the list. You're a found footage movie. <laughs> Exists. Uh, Blair Witch. <clears throat> I don't know. I just blacked out again. But <laughs> um, So, yeah, Cloverfield I put off because I was kind of tired of found footage movies. And then I watched it and I liked it. <laughs> 
And then, uh, yes, Cloverfield Lane. What is it, like 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane, something like that? 10 Cloverfield Lane. Might want to help me out? Okay, good. Uh, yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane I thought was good, but I haven't seen Cloverfield Paradox. Has anyone seen that one? I heard it's doo-doo. I haven't. Yeah, I, I, people have got to turn me off from checking it out, to be honest. Yeah, I saw they were in, like, space, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Tiger King of a couple years ago, and that is Bird Box. Yeah, I still haven't watched it. I haven't what? either. What? You know what? If 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 every person that uh, I try to get to watch a movie then tells me I have to watch something, I don't watch it. I haven't watched Tiger King. <laughs> I haven't watched Bird Box. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Get I guess Bird you don't Box. like life. Not really. <laughs> like the Eddie Murphy movie. Well, we'll let you guys talk about it. That watched it, but I mean, for me, I don't really like Sandra Bullock, and I'd already watched A Quiet Place, and I don't either. I still haven't watched it. I still haven't watched. It seemed like it was playing on that. That is fair. That is fair, and I think that's a, a depending on which one you have seen first, you will put off watching. You will put off watching the other one because it does yeah. seem rather similar. Um, now, it has been a while since I've seen Bird Box, but I'm not one of these people who's a mark for Sandra Bullock at all. But I uh, really Todd, enjoy... By the way, Todd gets off the hook for that one, but it's strange to hear you two heterosexual men say that you don't enjoy Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Where I love her. I, I'm not crazy about her as an actress. <laughs> well, and I mean, what am I supposed to do? Love Hope Floats? She doesn't make a lot of movies I want to watch. <laughs> Those are good movies. You know, You've I'm obviously never seen Practical Magic, sir. I, I'm a big you know, I do like miscongeniality. I'm a miscongeniality, mis Mark. We all know that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Bird Box ended up being one of those things, and you know, and this is a a, a, a different era. I, this is where people are going to see things and they're going to remember it the way we remember the video age when the video tapes came out, and Netflix originals are going to be something that is an ear. Uh, there's earmarked in time as. Sure something new and bird box i thought was something that was really well done it felt like something that would have been a theatrical release it had the budget it had the star power um i thought bird box was done very well and i think that uh i don't know grizz do you want to comment on it before i say anything else yeah no i really liked it um and i know that that was kind of a bandwagon thing and then it almost immediately became a bandwagon thing to hate it and so um I just thought it was really well made. Um, I've, I've never seen The Quiet Place, so I, I want you guys to talk about that here in a second. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I thought it was good. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a, a, a concept that has been done but not overdone. And but not beaten so, to death, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was good enough. But what I think, I think what made it good was that it didn't shy away from, and again, I haven't seen The Quiet Place, but I can guess, but like, it didn't shy away from the brutality of post-apocalyptic stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you had really fucked up weirdos in Bird Box that I, I just know that some other movies shy away from, and that kind of lowers them, in my opinion, sure. post-apocalyptic stuff. And so, yeah, I liked Bird Box because I was like, there were some genuinely terrifying people and stuff in that movie it was just like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so I think that's why it hit for me. I need, I and see, I didn't, I need to check it out at some point. Please, do, and you should. 
Yeah, I don't, wanna, just, I don't want to. Bur- I'm not trying to bird shame you. I'm just saying. Like no, that. but you should. You should look at it. You should look well, at it. It's it's worth your time. And usually, if something is even remotely interesting that Netflix made, you should watch it. And the, and the simple fact with with them is that they're throwing more money at what they're making than HBO is. They're the tops in terms of production and investing in it. But the really cool part, from what I've heard is with them, you get through the door and, and you get something approved and then they leave you alone. There is no creative tampering. And I think that people that are directing and, and making things for them are loving it because they're hands off. They're letting people make what they want as long as they're involved in the inception of it and then they leave them alone. And so I think we're going to continue to see a lot of really cool things being made by Netflix for that reason. And what's cool about that is you get to acknowledge that there are some misses. You know what I mean? And so, like, they're greenlighting and they're funding stuff. And, but at the same time, they're like, all right, we like the idea, but doesn't mean that we're going to tamper with the movie to make what we think a success is. And so right. there were some misses that were, you know, Netflix originals. But Iron Fist. No, I never saw that one. <laughs> but I think at least they're giving uh, creative freedom to these folks to do what sure. they want. And if it... If it if it wins, it wins, and if it fails, it fails. So I've seen Bird Box, and I've seen A Quiet Place. Um, I think I saw Bird Box first, and I kind of put off watching A Quiet Place because I felt the way it was. A Todd said it felt like it was a knock on the other one. They they seemed too similar. That, that was um, right. I really, am, I really. There's four of us talking. I can't keep you shit all straight. <laughs> Not only that, all you white people look the same to me. Uh, so, but I really, I, I finally got myself to watch A Quiet Place, and it was different enough. Uh, it didn't feel like it was the same tropes, and I enjoyed that one as well. Uh, I don't know that I enjoyed it so much that I'm happy to see that they're making a sequel. I don't know that I feel that that is necessary. But I liked the approach, and I was surprised by uh, the feller who plays Jim in the American Office. Uh, I was impressed with him in a role that was totally different than he, what you would see. He created. Uh, did he create Quiet Place? He directed. I believe. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. But John I I recommend it. You should check it out at least once. I'm not saying you're gonna. I'm not saying you're gonna fall in love with it. But I'm saying you should watch it. I have not seen Bird Box. I haven't seen Quiet Place, but I have seen Hear No Evil, See No Evil with Wilder and Pryor. So <laughs> well, I just thought the sequel. I just thought that the sequel was getting made because Todd had probably seen the original and wrote a stellar review and the studios listened to him. <laughs> and yeah, he's open he's open for a quadrilogy. Uh, but along those the, lines he's in the rocking chair of shame right now. Look at him. Staring at you, judging you. <laughs> uh, Professor, do you want to say something about Quiet Place before I bring up a third film that follows sure. these lines? Say oh, yeah. third. Briefly with a, a Quiet Place is that it, it movies stand the test of time when they tap into something that hasn't been exploited yet. And so what, what's really effective with this movie is two things. One uh, the suspense is wonderful based on something as simple as being silent. And so whether I, I think you get more of the effect, if you see that in a theater or with other people, even at home, uh, just because it's, it's such a, obviously as the name would imply a quiet film, uh, because 
at this point in the, in that story, the earth is being inhabited by monsters that they can hear from miles away and they're wiping out anything that they can find. And so with that, it creates these wonderful uh, segments of suspense for varying reasons. But also on top of that, it, it doesn't sell itself as a horror movie or a monster movie just to get you to spend your money on it. And then it just be a big budget thriller. It delivers in various ways. And um, for that, I think that it is a really good time. Now I will say I didn't need a sequel for it. I thought that the way it ended was enough. What are we laughing about? I agree. Benny put a monkey on the screen. Uh, I'm on my phone, so I only see one at a time. Swipe them, o- swipe them over, bud. You can watch all four. No, really? Yeah. There we are. Ready bunch. Whole new world. But, uh, um, yeah, the last thing with that is just when I was in L.A. at the end of February, there were uh, billboards for the sequel everywhere, and now who knows when we'll see it. It was just kind of a weird setting. That uh, I think that was supposed to open the week everything shut down. And can I tell you how pissed every time I was going to see a movie, that preview was in there. And I'm like, I haven't seen the first one. <laughs> so, no, I don't need to. I'll say one more here along with this lineup. And uh, it was another Netflix movie called The Silence. Did anyone see The Silence? I have not. Never even no. heard of it. Was that the sequel to Silent but Deadly? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's Silence of the Lambs prequel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's got Stanley Tucci in it and uh, Kiernan Shipka, which, you know, she's from that new Sabrina thing, but I know her from Mad Men. Um, so a good cast. And we just kind of watched it on a fluke. We were like, what is this, a quiet place ripoff or another bird box? And it's another thing that, like, it's like these alien creatures. You got to be quiet or they're going to hear you. But it's really good. Like I would really recommend checking out the silence on Netflix. Like it, it's, it was just one that we put on at night. We were like bored and didn't know what we wanted to watch. Just feeling indifferent. And we were like, okay, here we go. Uh, Netflix original silence. Let's watch it. And it's, it's really good. And so it's another, uh, I don't know quiet place. So I don't know what the creatures are in that, but this one is just like these weird flying, I don't know, alien creature sort of things that they can't see it, but they can hear you. And so it's good. Suspenseful. Solid movie. I haven't cool. seen any any of those, but I have <laughs> seen I have seen Battleship five times. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm um, disappointed. So, so going to say something that I thought was a turd, but I do like the. Uh, I'm still waiting for an awesome uh, uh, cover of it. Is War of the Worlds? Mm. I had that on my list as well. Yes, I didn't uh, like the Spielberg one, uh, which is I like Spielberg, so I don't know. I didn't my hate oldest, it. My oldest saw it. He was a kid, obviously, when he saw it. He was obsessed with that movie <laughs> when he was a kid. And so that got played in our house over and over and over again. Yeah. I wasn't in love with it. But he was I, he was I thought it had some, it. some really great sequences of attack uh, in the remake. And I like the one from the 50s as well. And there's certainly an irony. Uh, that goes with that film and how they defeat the aliens uh, versus what we've got going on here now, which is germs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, movies that don't necessarily take place post-apocalyptic, but that is always looming, is the Terminator movies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that Judgment Day is always... 
forever looming in that series and we get glimpses of it and that is one of the most desolate futures after yeah. the apocalypse i think i've ever seen depicted in movies is that the people are living in those sad bunkers and traveling around at night and dogs at the door because they can sense the terminators and the the scene where reese walks by and you think they're watching a tv but then when you look they're using it as a fireplace there's just flame inside of it uh so I think that you have to mention if you're talking post-apocalyptic, even though the majority of the movies do not take place during that era of it, it's all forever looming over it and you, uh, as part of the narrative. Did you ever watch Salvation? Is that Terminator the one Salvation? with uh, Christian Bale? Uh, I want to say I've seen it, but I don't remember it very well. If I've seen it, it's been a very long time. I enjoyed that one. That was that was the only Terminator movie that. Um, that was actually that the whole movie took in place that before. era. Yeah. Good times. Um, so we just watched American horror story apocalypse and it's a neat story. It blends a lot of different things, a little bit of kind of Is there a musical number. <laughs> no, not in that one. <laughs> Hot dog. Yeah. So we went back and we rewatched all the seasons we liked. We skipped Freak Show and Hotel because we didn't like those. Uh, Showed Carrie Roanoke for the first time. Um, Then Colt, which is good. And then Apocalypse. And we were really pleased with Apocalypse. And it weaves in a lot of different stories from the previous seasons into it. And you've got some Antichrist stuff. You've got uh, nuclear warfare. And it's, it's actually enjoyable. So... Um, as we talk about apocalyptic stuff, I would, if you've seen the previous seasons, uh, at least, if you've seen at least Murder House and Coven, 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 not Coven. Co- oh man, you- <laughs> <laughs> not you Coven, man. Into it. Coven sounds like oven. It's oven, Coven, that's right. Yeah. If you've seen Coven and Murder House, you've basically got enough working, uh, stuff to watch Apocalypse. And so... Uh, American Horror Story Apocalypse. That's a good apocalyptic one. All right. What else we got? Any uh, any others we want to recommend? I was going to say, the last one I had on for Alien was uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Hmm. Yeah. That's a classic. Original or Keanu Reeves? You know, I prefer to look at Keanu, but the original's better. I forgot they even remade that. That's thanks, how good thanks, it was. Thanks for that. <laughs> I would be. Go ahead. I'm just looking at lists here. Uh, Train to Busan, another good zombie one. We've covered that. Uh, Girl with all the gifts was good one, one. That we've covered before. Um, I watched Candyman instead. My bad. <laughs> 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 uh, same thing you guys want to bring up as I'm looking through this list here. Well, uh, I, one, I'd I, like to mention that uh, I'm curious if any of you have seen it. Is Snowpiercer? I have, no. I have a few down no. that I haven't seen. Uh, I have Snowpiercer, It Comes at Night, and The Happening. I know people hate on The Happening, but I haven't seen any of those. I, I like that. The Fappening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I um, actually so, enjoyed The Happening, so I think The Happening is an okay movie. You got the plants killing people, which that's, I like a, peanut, that's what peanuts are doing. <laughs> I, I, I know it, it, a lot of people hate it. Uh, 
but I thought it was enjoyable. And certainly for what we're talking about here, I think it's got some really great sequences of panic and fleeing and people yeah. just trying to figure out where they're going. Uh, but with Snowpiercer, it's an interesting concept because basically the the an, an ice age is hit. The world is done except for a train that runs around the world and the people on it are the only human beings that are alive. And within that train, um, we are developed as you would expect into a class system in there. And the people uh-huh. in the back portion of the train are treated like shit. Um, and it's about them fighting their way through the train as it's speeding around the world because it can't stop. And that's how they survive. And it's, it's a very, very interesting setup and backdrop for storytelling throughout. Um, it's got some really cool stuff. Like, just for example, at one point, there is somebody trying to snipe another person way up ahead on the train. And they wait until the train is going on a bend like a U as it's wrapping around and trying to shoot across from there. So there's a lot of creative uh, moments in it. It's the same director that did uh, Parasite and not the one we just covered, but the award-winning Parasite uh, and the host. Um, so well worth your time and really combines a lot of different types of films within it. I don't know. It sounds like a ripoff of Murder on the Orient Express to me. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> uh, I am. Go ahead, Toddy. I was going to say one that we haven't mentioned that I thought was really good was Turbo Kid. Yeah. Oh, Turbo. Kid. I have that seen written it. right under it. Good. Well, I, I haven't it. seen that, and do you know why I haven't seen it? Why? Because the title is Turbo Kid. No, it rules. Like, okay, well, I'll take the recommendation, but on title alone, I wasn't going to touch it. We'll just make that a mash pick and make you watch it. That's I think we've fair. already I'm, done that. I'm not. I'm not opposed to watching it. You've done that one already. I think so. Haven't we, Professor? Can't remember. I don't know. That's how important it was. Where we're we over 150 episodes in, and we're look, <laughs> we're getting older. It's hard to remember things. <laughs> uh, I am not going to have this episode go by without me saying Planet of the Apes, the original Planet of the Apes, the first two yeah, especially. Those yep, are yep. most definitely post-apocalyptic movies. I and do. I, I, some of the most important post-apocalyptic movies ever ever put to film. I do enjoy the, your uh, your occasional posts where the, the monkeys are uh, have been taking over uh, during oh, this time. Man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I and hey, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If the apes take over, I will watch them march everybody to the ovens while I am <laughs> while I am chiseling Harambe's face in a Mount Rushmore. I, I picked I picked sides a long time ago, folks. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, I know. be cool with you because you raise money. That's right, <laughs> and I pick up bills with my feet. That, that's true. No, I completely uh, agree and echo your sentiment on that. I think it's one of the more important movies in this category that's ever been made. I I love the franchise. Um, I like the the newer trilogy as well. But I that first film is just wonderful. Uh, it's got the imagination and and thoughtfulness of Rod Serling, um, and it's just excellent, and I've, I actually sent uh, footage to Vinny recently when I was standing where the finale of the film uh, occurs of Malibu, uh, so definitely a mark for that film, and we certainly couldn't let this episode go by without mentioning it. You can't, and Beneath the Planet of the Apes even deals with the 
situation that caused the apocalypse, the nuclear apocalypse. And yeah. it delves into it even more. It's Definitely. now it does not stack up to the original movie. It is not the movie that the first movie is, but it is still it's still dealing with that subject matter delves a bit deeper within that universe. And I can't let this episode go by without mentioning those movies. I'm mad. I'm mad that you guys never talk about uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes because mm. uh, when Michael Clark Duncan goes, bow your head. That's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in all of Apedom. Let me tell you a story about Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. The only good thing about that movie, the only only commendable thing about that movie maybe two is some of some of the actors ability in that movie not mark Wahlberg, uh and my man's rick baker's makeup yeah that is the redeeming quality of that entire film is my man's rick baker and his makeup though if you ever get a chance to snoop around on the internet and see stan winston's mock-ups because he and rick baker Rick, Stan Winston and Rick Baker were both vying for that project. And the makeups that Stan Winston came up with are amazing. They look they look like real chimpanzees. It's, it's incredible. Check it out if you get the chance. Right on. Uh, I'll take that momentum to roll into another series. Uh, it's not great, but it's got some campy fun to it, and that's the Resident Evil series. Um, you know, Professor and I were certainly uh, students of Resident Evil 1 and 2 in our youth. I mean, that's right when we became friends, uh, and we played those games all the time. And so it's fun, it's fun to see that stuff on screen. And because we love the early video games so much, we give a, I give a lot of the just kind of badness of the films a pass. I love um, Mila Jovovich. Oh, there you go. She's she's a great actress. <laughs> and, but these films, they're just not they're not good. But just to to take the what you love about um, hating the Umbrella Corporation and what they did and uh, translating it and it's like kind of genre bending to be zombie, but also like weird radioactive creatures. Um, I think they're fun. I like I said, I don't think they're the best movies by a long shot, but um, and a lot of the they're games turn- aren't. A lot of the games haven't been that great, but they're still fun to play. Um, Grizz, so they, they're like you. They're like you say. They're they hit that lizard brain, that part of your brain, that lizard part of your brain. Yeah, you just turn off. Water. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, then I was going to say we, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the whole. Uh, Last Man on Earth, Omega Man, I Am Legend. Had that on my list as well. Just the whole universe Which, of that. If that is brought up, you're going to need yeah. to do the Vincent Price Last Man on Earth impression. He set this up. He knew what was coming. <laughs> as he's being chased in his dinner jacket and loafers by these zombies. He's telling them Back. Back, you devils. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the Sopranos when they would make Silvio do his impression of Al Pacino. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. Um, 
I also want to throw out there, uh, Professor, you're a big fan of the 28 Days Later stuff. Yeah. I, I What was great about that is that really brought it all back. Um, zombie movies, I think, have been pretty dormant until that came out, and that just reignited it to the point where it even brought about the remake of Dawn of the Dead and Romero, who was never going to make another zombie movie, saw everybody cashing in on it and was like, I think I'd like to make three more films. And, but with that, with that first one, I loved it because it was more from a British point of view. So it was different than what we had had here. Yeah. Cause they're on uh, an island. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was so bleak. Um, and, and those segments with, uh, I'm trying to remember his name right now. Um, the main guy, he's on like Peaky Blinders. His name's, Killian Murphy. Murphy. Yes. Jonathan Crane, the scarecrow <laughs> so, from Batman. Yes. So the the sequences where he wakes up uh, out of the hospital Hang, alone. I don't off. know if The Walking Dead had been written yet, but that's certainly very reminiscent of what they did very later much. on. Um, but yeah, Rick, it, Rick, it, Rick it was interesting. On, but. <laughs> also, uh, but it, it was, I thought what was great about it is it not only didn't just do the same old thing. We went more into a viral outbreak with it, but we also made them fast. And that was scary. And it was something we weren't used to seeing as much. And so I think that really grabbed the fascination of a lot of people, made them go back and re-examine the classics all over again and want more. And here we are, uh, over overly saturated well over a decade later because of it. I haven't watched 28 Days Later in years. I own it on Blu-ray, and I haven't watched it in years. And the reason why is because the last time that I watched it, I was sick with the flu. And I watched it, and that night I had fever dreams directly correlating to that movie that scared the bejesus out of me because we've all had a fever dream at one time or another in our life. They are much more intense than your average dream. And as a result, I haven't been able to put it in for years. I, I see why. It. I, think it's I like great. the original 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, this is the sequel. Though. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, uh, while we were talking about I Am Legend and stuff, uh, one that we haven't mentioned was Stakeland. Yeah. Kind of another indie movie. Um, I know there's a sequel, which I is sitting on the shelf on open, but I did enjoy the first one really well. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember liking that first film. Anybody else? Well, I was going to say too. We, we there's a few that uh, that's definitely uh, appropriate to bring up is the the viral movies. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Not necessarily that. horror, but like Outbreak and uh, Contagion and and kind of like that line of movies. Andromeda Strain. Those are. Those three specifically might hit a little too close to home right now, um, especially Contagion. It's like, you know, I, I'm trying to get through my day of having to go to work and and get get through it without an anxiety attack. The last thing I need is to come home and put something on that spells out all of my worst fears. <laughs> uh, how, how do you guys think uh, Escape from New York fits into this? I think it fits. Yeah, the setting. Uh, I don't think. Well, no, I'll, I'll reserve that comment. Uh, 
I, I, I think, think you could make that movie. I bring it up because I want you to comment on it. So comment. Well, it made me think of a meme recently that I saw where they asked Kurt Russell to go save the president, and he just says oh. no. <laughs> okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, yeah, I, it's I, kinda, think, I mean, I, I'd say it's more of a dystopian film than an apocalyptic film. Okay, that's fair. It's just me. Yeah, well, you're not. I mean, the, you're not the boss of me, so <laughs> I don't know how I we. Mean, uh, I mean, I read all this time talking and haven't mentioned Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me thinking of that animal cracker scene. I'll start crying. <laughs> Especially is it because they don't make animal crackers anymore? Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Peter. They're the, off the box. Oh boy! All right, let's bring it back home here. All right, yeah. Before so Benny goes off on a tangent, I was gonna say if uh, during this time, if I find myself where I got a little bit of time to watch a few movies, I think a perfect one that's uh, fits in, but but not too real to where I uh, I, I want to kill myself watching it is the Matrix movies, uh, which could be what we're living in right now. I don't know. Yes, might be. Maybe just I think this just all that. comes back to you watching Keanu Reeves. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think um, Speed was a great apocalyptic movie. <laughs> hey, even though that doesn't make sense, I endorse it because I love Speed. <laughs> that movie rules. It's a badass movie, man. All uh, right. I, just a couple I want to mention real quick before we wrap up. Um, one I would recommend if you haven't seen it is Miracle Mile from the 80s. Um, it's a fun play on... Uh, Anthony Edwards, um, he, uh, he's got a date with a girl. He screws it up, misses it, and wakes up late, sleeps through an alarm. And while he goes to the diner to try and see if she's there, he uh, answers a phone call and finds out that uh, atomic war is coming. And and it's oh. about him being equipped with the knowledge that the rest of America isn't and him trying to react and help what little people he can. Um, but it is a wildly entertaining movie. Um, and then the other one I was going to mention, uh, just I think it's a fascinating concept is Children of Men. Even though we don't have to get into it, I at least wanted to make sure we mentioned it on the episode. And I'm glad you brought up Children of Men because I wanted to bring up uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Ah, yes. Uh, that's bleak as hell. And then yeah. uh, I forgot to mention Book of Eli. So some other ones worth checking out there. And Threads. If nobody's seen Threads, watch that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the uh, the one that takes the cake, Waterworld. Yeah! Uh, I love Waterworld. That one, that one <laughs> a bad. Uh, Waterworld's actually a good movie. It's, it, I don't know why I got so much uh, hate. I think yeah. only because it affected the national deficit, but besides that, <laughs> it's an entertaining movie. Yeah, I love Waterworld. I never did see The Postman, which is another apocalyptic one with Kevin Costner. That one yeah. I wasn't... I thought that was boring. Yeah, I mean, it was well, like it was only six hours, so... Kevin Costner is good at boring. Yeah. <laughs> you watch your tongue, sir. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, Threads, real quick, was a TV movie in the U.K., and it was, it almost fell into the category of War of the Worlds radio broadcast where it scared the shit out of people. Um, and they really paint a picture of what it would be like if atomic bombs went off in nuclear war. And it is horrendous. Um, it's terribly upsetting and depressing, but it's wildly effective. 
and really something everyone should see at some point. Severin uh, here in the U.S. finally put out a copy of it because it was very difficult to see for a number of years. But that is that is my official last one. Okay. I'm all out. Vinny? All right. Good. I'm good. <laughs> all right. Well, we have just covered the apocalyptic, the apocalyptic film uh, <laughs> bases that we could cover. So uh, Easy for you to say. Yeah, very easy. So uh, write in. Let us know if we missed anything, uh, if we overlooked anything that uh, was, was a good one. And uh, let us know so we can check them out or correct that we missed them. So, all right. Signing out from the actual apocalypse, I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Stay scary.